to, I think, is episode 24 of the Talking Bollocks podcast, brought to you by TalkingBollocks.co.uk. We have no Matthew Rogers this week, but to make up for it, Poiser has specifically asked that I throw to him straight away, so I have no idea what's coming. Let's throw to Poiser. Uh, all I want to say is, straight off the back, how does it feel, Mez, to have lost to Man United's basically under-21 reserve team? You absolute failure of a team this weekend. <laughs> You've just lost yourself the league by losing to a reserve team. Pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely pathetic. You know what? That Arsenal team is made up of World Cup winners and glory good players, and they've just lost to... A player that before this week had never played a professional game in his life and just scored two goals past your world-class goalkeeper and world-class defence. It's just a pathetic excuse for Arsenal this weekend. And you know what? (laughs) It is the start of their season coming over. They're going to lose to Barcelona. They're going to lose to Hull. And then Tottenham, season over. Is the fan breaking up? It kind of feels like it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, don't expect me to defend. I, I can't defend an Arsenal supporter either, but Man. dang, that was harsh. Man, is there any kind of defence for that? Um, I do find it amusing that a Man U fan's biggest highlight of the season is that they beat us. Oh, God, yeah, it was. You're still... Where are oh, you? I want to make sure you don't win the title. We want Leicester to win. If you don't win it, happy days. Ten years in the making and you still didn't win it when the other top three teams had the worst seasons they've had in ten years and you still didn't win it. Brilliant. <laughs> You're still currently fifth. You're six six points, is it, behind uh, behind three. Manchester City? Three points. Is it three? And City have still got to play. And, yeah, you beat us today, but I wouldn't really be writing home, Poiser, because... Our season might have ended today, but your <laughs> season ended about three months ago, so I wouldn't really stand about it. Hey, I'm hoping the dream yes, is we win the Europa League, you get fourth place, and then we knock you out of the Champions League by winning the Europa League. Okay, well, you know, Disney do fairy tales, so maybe they'll release that as a movie. It's fairy tale. Mez, in all seriousness, what did you think of the game today? Was just was it just a case of Arsenal just blew it? We were just we were we were terrible at the back. Um, but to, to be honest, um, you know the young the young kid from United did really well. But we we were simply not good enough. We we didn't have the desire or the passion to want to win that game. And also, it comes down to the fact that we don't have an out-and-out striker that can score us goals. Walcott, he started Walcott up front, which was just bizarre, considering that Walcott is awful. Um, (laughs) You know, like, I like Theo, but the thing is is that you kind of have to bring Theo on um, towards the end of a game. Because, you know, if you're if you're struggling, you think, right, fine, well, I'll put Theo up front for his pace. But don't you think that's... Uh, I, I agree with you, but don't you think there's a bigger issue there of Walcott's development still hasn't got to the point where he's trusted to be a starting striker? Well, yeah, I mean, that just that just shows, like... It's, it's either... A, it either shows... Well, it, it's, it's a showing of his ability, the fact that he sucks. Like, let's be honest, he's got a terrible first touch... He's got a terrible delivery of the ball. He he's basically so it's a good job he's quick. I'm, 
I'm gonna agree with Mez on the fa- on on the non-starting Walcott point about yes, generally we do see Walcott come on late in the game, but that usually de- is dependent on which Giroux shows up for the day. Always, it depends on how crap Giroux is, whether or not we even see Walcott. Usually, <laughs> somebody refer- somebody earlier this season re- referred to having Giroux up front, like having a donkey up front, but. Um, <laughs> I would yeah, so therefore we're seeing a lot more walk on. <laughs> the the problem is is that there is there is a distinct lack of desire from the Arsenal players to actually, you know, take it by the short and curlies and actually try and win the league. But it also goes higher up in Arsenal, I think. There is a distinct lack of um determination at a board level to actually for us to be more successful. Because I think any other club, if you looked at Wenger's record over the last 10 years, that manager would have probably been been gone by now. But the fact that the board are happy for us to stay in the top four year in, year out, and get that you know money from the Champions League is simply not good enough. I agree, I agree with you there. And I think that the... The Arsene Wenger to go or stay has been laboured and everyone now needs to accept he's there until his contract runs out. But do you think there's a case of be careful what you wish for with Arsenal? Look at what the United model of ridiculous success and then there's been, what, two eras or two management changes where they're just struggling to get back to what they were. Maybe Arsenal are going to fall foul of that as well. The thing is, though, is that we're so stagnated... Like, we've been in this same rut for, like, ten years yeah. of yeah. either finishing third or fourth or occasionally maybe getting second if we have a, you know, a good season. You know, how 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 much longer can we go on realising that our season falls apart in February, March? Oh, it's this time of year, every year. Like, how how long can we seriously go on and accept it. That's a weak excuse. Like, at this point, this many seasons in, you can't just blame it on the weather this time of year. There is something fundamentally wrong Absolutely. with Arsenal. Absolutely. It's, it's the fact that Wenger I'm not giving you that cop down anymore. It's the fact that Wenger has failed to instill in not just this group of players, but in previous groups of players, that winning mentality and that winning desire... He is a specialist in failure, to quote the late Mourinho, but he's absolutely right. <laughs> and Mourinho. why does that man still have a job? It's disgusting to me as a football fan that Winger still has a job. Yeah, It's the most complacent, dull, stagnant team in the league. Yes, they have talented players, but as a whole, I, I just don't see how they put up with it. Any other manager would have been fired. Why is he allowed to keep his job season to season out? He's the guy that, if you work in an office, he's the guy that's worked there for his whole life, and he comes in, he stares at his computer screen for eight hours, and then he goes home, and he collects a salary for it. That is basically what Arsene Wenger is. Why do fans put up with it? Do you know what the fans? The fans are angry, and there are yeah. There's more and more discontent among the fans, isn't there? There have been numerous protests this year. But just to, just to go on to that, sorry. I'll, I'll Pro- believe it when a plane flies a winger banner out over the stadium. Yeah, but you say about protests and things like that. It's one of those, what's a protest? You're going to protest inside, inside the stadium. Fantastic, they're all happy. You've paid for your ticket already. You're in the game. The only yep. way that supporters can really make an impact is by not being at the game. Yep, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, it's it. Football is a money business. If you stop giving the club all the money, then they're gonna have to listen. Fans but the problem, the problem is, is that Arsenal have too many fans, uh, like plastic fans, and this is why you can't get a ticket at Arsenal anymore, because the moment that we moved into this huge stadium. All these tickets started getting swallowed up by all these plastic fans that, you know, uh, are happy to just go and watch Arsenal play. And they, they have no they have no real passion for for the team. Um, but whereas, like, previously, like, you know, in a smaller stadium, it was just the diehards. And unfortunately now, because the fan base is so big, you do have, um, you know, you do have it where... No matter what happens with the diehard fans, they will always sell out their games. They will always sell all their tickets. So, you know, unfortunately, nothing will probably happen. Wenger will, Wenger will just write it up to another one of, oh, you know, things went against us or blah, blah, blah. But That man is going to die and be buried on those sidelines. Yeah. And it's sickening. Okay, I'm going to spin us on because we've spent nine and a half minutes talking about Wenger. The other big news today, the first silverware of the season for Manchester City, beating Liverpool and on penalties. Now, did anyone see it? Poison, I know you did. But I just want to point out to Emre Chan's penalty that was just naughty. It's just the first penalty of the shootout, and he does a penenka right down the middle. Not as, not, not as naughty as the, uh, the Barcelona one a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that was just absurd. Absurd. But, no, congratulations, City. Um... Uh, did we did we really see any other <laughs> results? I don't really think. I've I've got a bone to pick with Poiser about this because I, I when I heard the result and I found out I said uh, I said tough loss tough loss for Liverpool in which I was really kind of feeling sorry for Klopp, but Poiser responds with uh, expletive those scouts expletive. <laughs> and I, and it, it got me thinking. It got me thinking. I have a couple questions for Johnny Poiser. Well, my first question is: How did you become a United fan? Me, I'll be honest with you, the way I became a United fan was because I found Eric Cantona to be the best footballer in the world and I love watching him play. And that was about it. Probably one of the first games that I watched with my granddad on TV was a Man United game. Okay, fair enough. That's fair. And listen, I'll I'll preface this with with the fact that I have no room to talk on how I became a fan of the club I support. (laughs) And we'll get into that another time. But um, the fact that I would think by default with this matchup, I mean, I don't care for either of these teams particularly at all. I don't care for Man City or Liverpool. But the fact that it was you took the gouge at, at, at Liverpool so harshly would then imply that you were rooting for a city, which is all kinds of backwards for me. Because, I mean, for one, the, the whole city is red and blue, and you're clearly a red. So how does that, like, I Carson, mean, how does that happen? Carson, are you trying to attach logic to Johnny Poyser? Oh, dear. Is that where I'm going wrong? Possibly. <laughs> yeah, cool. It's just, the reason I just, why I went for City... I truly think they have the better team, and I wanted them to win because they were the better team on that pitch. Ethically wrong. (laughs) And I also don't want Liverpool to win more trophies than United have, in fairness, so that's the other reason. But mainly, I think City have got the better team, and they play the better football, and as a neutral, I'd always like the better team to win. Okay, just learned some more about Johnny Poiser and his rooting interests and his ethics, so learn something new. He's, I have no rebuttal. He's got ethics. There you go. He's got morals. Who knew? <laughs> I don't understand them, but... <laughs> yeah, they're in there Truth somewhere. <laughs> Can we also give a quick mention to Leicester City, who continue yes. 
to pull wins out of the bag. It was the 89th minute when Ijoa scored this weekend. And I think I... everybody was just watching. Carson, we have Soccer Saturday over here because we can't watch all of the three o'clock games. And it's essentially like talking heads that go around the games. And everybody was just glued, listening, just waiting and hoping that Leicester would score. I was sitting in the pub uh, over in, in Colleyville, Texas, and uh, I was watching the Chelsea game on one TV, and then over on the giant projector screen, they had the uh, Leicester game on, and it was just after Chelsea had pulled ahead, and we were, I was raising a toast to them. The barkeep has been quite a Leicester fan, and he lo- we look over, and sure enough, Ushua scores, and I just I just called that almost, because I knew that bringing Ushua on was, was a great idea, just because the form he had had. Last season, I was just talking about how he was so great last season in some of the ways that people like uh, Gomi started this season, and then he just kind of faded into nothing. And we forgot all about Leonardo Ochoa. On last week's podcast, did you talk about your pub? Uh, I didn't get a chance to. Oh, well. I do do want to get a shout. The floor is open right now. Go for it. Yes, the Londoner is based. There are four locations in North Texas in Frisco, where FC Dallas play, Colleyville, my home pub, Addison over in Dallas, and there's one more. I can't remember where it's at. But NBC, who has all the TV rights, has uh, had a contest going through the end of pretty much from the beginning of the season until really winter break. But um, yeah, it was based on the fans coming in and doing check ins and posting photos and testimonials about what is the best English Premier League bar in America to watch the games at. And come to find out, my home pub won. The Fantastic. best Premier League bar in America. So, as a prize, NBC is awarding $50,000 to uh, the pub to improve the viewing experience, throwing us a party next Saturday, and they're going to film uh, footage next Saturday and, and make a commercial out of it that's going to air on national television next month. That's so good. And $50,000, so, like, that must... That must be around, like, what, 300 pounds? So the amount you could do with that would just be fantastic. <laughs> oh, listen, all right. Well, the, the, the pound has actually gone down in the past week, which fares well for my vacation coming up. But yeah. anyways, we'll get Very back good. to the football. Yeah. <laughs> Spurs as well, still going strong. That's going to sound like I edited that, didn't it, the way I jumped straight into Spurs, but we'll just go with it. Spurs <laughs> still going strong. Um, Carson, what, talk to us about the first goal that you watched for Spurs. Really, both goals were identical for Spurs, although on opposite sides of the area. Shot comes in, Fabianski makes an amazing save, which th- th- today there were a lot of great saves. It was a keeper's day for sure, but makes a clean save all the way. He, it deflects the ball out to the edge of the area. The uh, This would be, the if you're looking at the goal, the left corner of the area. Someone comes in, blasts a shot. I believe it was Danny Rose. And second goal was about the same. It was a corner. Fabianski clears it. Cleanly clears it out to the uh, the uh, the other corner of the area, and in comes the uh, comes Nasser Chadley, who gets a deflected shot. But they both came from the same area on opposite sides. They're the sort so of goals, just un- unfortunate. And they're the sort of goals that you want to score as a kid, where it gets punched out to the edge of the area. Oh you yeah, just, just, just swing just a leg at it, and it, it just in. lands in open space, and you can just kick back and yeah. roar at it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a difference though with Leicester and Tottenham this weekend that. They've gone behind or last-minute goals and come back to win it compared to Arsenal not doing it. That they actually have that mentality drilled into them at the moment to keep going. Can't help himself but get a little dig in, can he? But yeah, I see, I see what you mean. No, yeah. no Tottenham been on fine form. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say about that. It was definitely a keeper's day, though. There was a lot of great saves today. Yeah, and Cavallero was the hero of the shootout for Manchester City. Uh, but, Absolutely. But you kind of, if we're talking about keepers, you have to mention that Man City's goal. Uh, Mignolet was hugely at fault. You know how keepers are taught to whip their legs out from under them? If he just yes. stayed standing still, the ball would have hit him and wouldn't have gone in. But because he 
tried to do a, a save that he's taught to do, he ended up conceding a goal. Silly, really. Trust your instincts, trust your intuition. As you go back to my way of goalkeeping, where the ball come out, you just kick it because you, <laughs> you don't want to get your knees dirty. The thing of lack of goalies available, though, I think, for them to pick for a new one. I mean, if we... In England, you'd probably say you've got Fraser Forster and Jack Butland, the two real performing goalkeepers at the moment. Yeah, correct said this weekend. There's not many of them out there at the moment. There's got a lot of teams that are probably going to be looking for new goalkeepers over the next couple of years. They tend to go through the cycles, don't they, with goalkeepers, where you'll keep one for five or six years, but you then need another one, and there's not many available. Yeah. Uh, I think, as well as everybody else, that the, the Gaia to Real Madrid deal will go through. But then you've yeah. got to wonder, it's rumoured that, or it was rumoured that, Manchester United's target was Hugo Lloris. But would Lloris, which seems strange to say, would Lloris really want to leave Tottenham to go to Manchester United? I think he's I think he's too his allegiance is to Tottenham at this point. I, I couldn't see it happening. Well also, you've got to say at the moment, he's more likely to get silverware and a better league position Tottenham's playing for Tottenham. Team. Yeah. That's it. They're the better team. <laughs> I mean teams tend to struggle as well. When you think historically, United and Arsenal Two great examples of it. When United, Arsenal lost Seaman and when United lost Schmeichel, it took years to find replacements for them. Was that, was that Schmeichel? <laughs> <laughs> but it did. It generated both teams a long time to find good replacements. And they went through two or three different ones. And there seems to be a distinct lack of class again now of top-class goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that as much as... Uh, Leicester will talk about people trying to sign Jamie Vardy and trying to sign Riyad Mahrez I think there's going to be a lot of interest in Kasper Schmeichel as well or Schmeichel if you poison us I, I could see him coming to United if we sell De Gea yeah you know Schmeichel what that, somewhere. yeah I could see him going to Manchester United well wonderful yeah. Well, I would, I would like uh, if, if, if it's, if we're going to move on to uh, the next game, I would love to see as good as it was to see Eden Hazard, you know, taking shots today and not today, yesterday, and uh, instead of just dribbling and passing around, he actually showed a little bit of confidence. But if that doesn't continue, and he's so rumored to be leaving for PSG, I would love for Chelsea to go in for Riyad Mahrez. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's interesting that Ranieri's turned around and said he won't stand in the way of any player that wants to leave, will he? Well, yeah, and I think. Ranieri just comes across as a nice guy anyway, doesn't he? But I think for Mahrez, if he's going to go or going to go to Chelsea, it's better that he's going when Mourinho isn't there because, like he did with other players, like Carter mentioned, he would just kind of stifle the creativity. Um, but I guess that's what happens when there's a, a billionaire in charge. He can just throw the money. I mean, if, if something doesn't stick, then he can just try again, can't he? Well, that's what Everton are doing, isn't it? Now they've just had a new owner come into them. He's bought forty nine point nine percent of the shares, and he's a billionaire. And he was invested in Arsenal as well at one point, but he's now gone to Everton. But it's interesting that Bill Kenwright's kept majority shareholder as well for them. So could that mean that he's still going to have the fans at heart and level headed, yet they're still going to have the multi million billionaire behind them? Sorry, invested. Well, I wonder if the fans are a bit annoyed because they see their chance to actually get some investment. I, I think they're going to get investment galore from him. He's already said he's going to. He said he's going to invest on the levels that Man City have been. Wow. So we could have another big team at the top. Pushes Manchester United further away from the top four. Absolutely. But Paying off that Glazer credit card bill. Oh, God. It could be, it could be interesting for Everton because they are a sleeping giant and they have got a good team already. They just need something to 
mould that team a little bit better with some better players around them. Um, surely, Everton, surely Everton need a new stadium though, right? If that's going to come in because their stadium's not the largest at the moment and, you know, effectively with all this new money will bring new popularity. Surely first on the agenda is is a brand new stadium, right? Well, you, it's got to be up there, hasn't it? Carson, yeah. in American sports, is there any similarity so if a big billionaire was to come in and buy somebody and then start winning everything or does it not really work like that for american sports i mean it, it happened in the uh early 90s when jerry jones bought the cowboys just started throwing money around and won the super Bowl. yeah it's a giant oil tycoon came in and brought in jimmy johnson the coach and they signed good players like Ake, like troy aikman out of california and we won three super bowls when i was growing up two of them back to back because right. I, I, I assumed that there's like salary caps and all sorts, so players or managers couldn't just throw a load of cash around. Yeah, I mean, that, the rules have changed a lot since then. But yeah, I mean, it, it does happen, not not at all on the level of, of, of football, but um, no, it does happen. Oh, okay. I mean, there's giant, there's giant corporations. I mean, a lot of the uh, the uh, Fenway Fenway Group that owns, I want to say Liverpool. You know, they they own the Red Sox. That's a very big team here in uh, here in the states as well in baseball. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of uh, big corporations rather than uh, than billionaire owners. Jerry Jones is kind of the exception to that. He's very much the the evil billionaire in the U.S. that happens to own the Cowboys. He's, <laughs> so, he's like he's like Abramovich and and Winger rolled into one. Did you also have the the thing that we have where all of a sudden everybody else hated the Cowboys? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, during the nineties, we were America's team, and now we're like, I mean, we're crap now. But we were also the, we were also the villains for a long time. After any time there's a, a sports movie, it's always the heroic team is always playing against Dallas at some point. We're really evil and, and mean, mean looking. But it's yeah. amazing how jealousy you can just for new fans though as well. So, what was that? Did it like with football clubs over here? Did it bring a lot of fans that you'd oh, never heard of before? Oh, of course. There's always, you know, people always want to root for the teams that are good and win championships. Yeah, exactly. There's only a few <laughs> losers that support teams like Middlesbrough. I mean, not, nothing like, I mean, the, the closest thing I can compare to the United era is the Patriots era, but that's that still barely touches the tip of the iceberg of United, you know, in their glory days. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and yeah. obviously the glory days that are yet to come for Arsenal. Anyway, yeah. um, who... Know, what's the championship roundup this week? The championship roundup is... That thankfully Middlesbrough are back to winning ways. We went through an absolutely stinking spell, and I wrote an article on the website about it, where in five games we only scored two goals, which for a team that's been lauded for its attacking intent, intent this season is not good enough. But never mind that, we're back to winning ways. Beat Fulham 2 0 yesterday, puts us, well, down to third, really. But it's Burnley on top on 65, Hull on 64, then us on 64. But we've got two games in hand. So this time next month, I'll probably be laughing all the way to the Premier League. Hopefully. Yeah. We might even get to go and see one of the games with you, maybe, I'm thinking. Well, unfortunately, it it's, not gonna, yeah, gonna say, it's not going to be against Villa, is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, to be fair, we said we were going to go to uh, MK Dons against Middlesbrough. We never did. Well, it got rearranged, though. So it was put on to a Tuesday night because MK Dons had to play Chelsea in the FA Cup. Oh, nobody wants to play on a Tuesday night. Yeah, exactly. Even worse than playing on a Tuesday night is going to watch somebody on a Tuesday night. So that's why it didn't happen. Tuesday <laughs> night in Stoke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a wet Tuesday night in Stoke. Is there anything worse? <laughs> Poiser, can we have a live Barcelona update? 
No, because the TV's changed snooker. <laughs> <laughs> what a ridiculous name for sports. Just call it darts or pool. Darts? What, you always want someone throwing pool snooker balls at a board? Sorry, it's such a ridiculous name for a sport, I forgot which one it was the name of. <laughs> <laughs> Poison, what stories have you got for us? Cool. So, first one to tell you about is to keep an eye out for a book that's coming out from Seth Blatter about his stories and trials and tribulations of his time as FIFA president. I think that will be a great read. It'll it'll pretty much be the equivalent of reading Harry Potter because it's that realistic. (laughs) (laughs) But it will be a damn good read and it's all about his integrity and him as a person and what good he done for FIFA. I mean, there are some good things he's done for FIFA, and it'd be interesting to see that. But it'll yeah, also maybe. be interesting to see if he talks about the fact that he's a crooked old man. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> Going straight in with that one. Well, just, um, that reminds me, actually. Uh, Gianni Infantino was voted in as the new FIFA president, wasn't he? Yes. He is, he is a talking ball favourite, and unfortunately Matt Rogers isn't here to celebrate him today, but I'm sure he'll be... There's something in the pipeline to do with Matthew Rogers and Gianni Infantino, I can assure you of that. Poison, what's your second story for us? Have you got a second story? So, the other one for you on there is El Hedgeduff, the supposed as he put himself a legend for Liverpool. Personally, I don't think he's a legend for anybody, but he on Twitter decided to get into a bit of an argument with Jamie Carragher. And he called Jamie Carragher a effing loser for no reason whatsoever, and said the contra- And he also then turned around and said, the difference between Jamie Carragher and me is I am world-class, he is shit. So, rubbish. He's rubbish, we'll say. Yeah, he is rubbish. I, I, I purposely didn't say it. I went to say it, but I didn't because I was reading it. But then, be pal. So Jamie Carragher then come back him and said, the other big difference between me and you, Alhads Al- Al- is that I scored more goals for Liverpool Football Club in the Premier League than you did. And I'm a defender and you're a striker. He probably scored more own goals than El Hadjouf scored goals, didn't he? In fairness, I mean, what, what did El Hadjouf ever do in his career? He had one good World Cup, from what I recall, and a lot of players from that team, in fairness, ended up at Liverpool, so probably something dodgy with an agent going on there. But, but At least a 29-year-old new soccer fan in Texas knows who Jamie Carragher is. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of the other guy. Oh, he's like spitting at people. Yeah, he's what just... He was didn't he play for Rangers or Celtic and spat at somebody then as well? Basically, Carson, he's a horrible man who has twice spat at people in the crowd. He doesn't play for Chelsea? I know, I know. <laughs> to me, hang on, I'm not saying that spitting at somebody is justified, it's disgusting. But the amount of abuse that people were probably shouting at him, spitting at them was probably just the lesser of two evils. Better than doing a karate kick at them. Yeah, exactly. Like It's better than being like Poison's hero. It really is. Mez, I understand as a little treat, you've got a bit of a funny story for us. Um, I do have a funny story. Um, I'll, I'll tell it quick because there's one final point that I want to talk about before you wrap it up. Okay. So, former Middlesbrough legend striker Midu, um, Midu is, is currently Can a we manager. Call him Mido um, for the sake of that being his name. Um. Basically, he's a manager currently at uh, a, a team in Egypt called uh, Zamalek, and uh, he oh, has we should have got a r- to poor run of form. 
and he's being fired to be replaced by none other than Alex McLeish, which uh, is a very small world indeed. What I did want to say is, before you wrap it up, we can't have a whole podcast without talking about the absolutely incredible Louis van Gaal falling (laughs) over on the side of the pitch during the game today. Possibly, hands down, maybe apart from Wenger standing in the middle of the Old Trafford fans with his arms in the air, possibly (laughs) one of my favourite moments in football of Van Gaal slagging off Sanchez by doing an impression of his dive. Why why do managers not do this more? It was incredible. Carson, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, I did. (laughs) It was and you know what? I wasn't even watching the TV properly at that point. I was painting some models at the same time as watching the match. And all I did was looked up and saw Van Gaal on the floor. So I did Wenger just punch him? <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? I can only hope. I love the way that um, the sky cameras... Like, the game was still going on at this point, And I think Man United almost scored from a, from a header. I think Herrera almost scored from a header. Um, but they were too busy, like just watching Van Gaal do his impression of Sanchez on the sideline. That cameraman earned his money for that one, didn't he? He knew something was bubbling. And uh, I mean, some of the um, some of the internet reaction and photoshops that have been going around on Twitter have just been just been top draw. I mean, I think you should do one for the talking bollocks, Mez. One for the logo this week, maybe. Yeah, yeah I mean, ma- maybe that is the logo for the podcast, but. That that's great. I mean, if if Louis Van Gaal goes on to achieve nothing at Manchester United and touch all the wood, he doesn't do anything for Manchester United. Sorry, Poiser. Um, that that moment will will be his crowning achievement <laughs> as Manchester United manager. I want that image to be the the ending of this podcast. So that's where we're going to. Louis finish. Van Gaal wasn't he the one that dove? Wasn't he the one that fell over on the sideline? Yeah, that's yeah. Just how we go. That is what people will say. Like long after he's gone, history will remember him as the guy that fell on his ass on the <laughs> sideline. I want that to be the the ending subject for the podcast. So that's where we're going to stop. Don't forget, folks. Daily articles on talkingballers.co.uk, and we have, of course, Talking Bollocks on Facebook and at Talking Bollocks on Twitter. Have a good week, and we will speak to you soon. Bye.